G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 106 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in once again. Episode 106, talking about the mind today. Um, Geez, isn't it unbelievable? Like we think we've we've got this mastered the way that we sort of uh, some days can be really calm and content and happy, and other days we're all over the place. It's a it's a daily thing, you know. Unless we unless we do things to settle our minds down, our minds will become agitated. You know, living in the future of the past consistently um, takes us out of balance. We. We, we constantly are challenged with this and, you know, I'm really keen to bring people onto this podcast that have got skills and experience and knowledge and, and life wisdom with regards to managing uh, the mind and the nervous system. You know, today's guest, Peter Radcliffe, is an ex-Buddhist monk, actually. He lives in Adelaide, um, but he runs an organisation called Skillful Mind, Skillful Mind, and... Um, what uh, what Peter does is uh, basically he tunes in with meditation, but also um, is a very, very uh, well-regarded neuro-linguistic programming teacher, so NLP teacher. So he'd be, he's able to sort of bring these uh, modalities together, train people individually, but also in groups and online to, uh, to manage the mind and the nervous system better. So... I've known Peter for a while, and I just thought it'd be a great opportunity for him to come along and uh, and talk about you know his um, own journey as an individual, but also um, some tips and tricks and ways that we can actually um, you know manage our minds and our, our lives better in modern society. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat. Um, really, really nice, uh, well rounded guy that's going to be able to give us you know plenty of knowledge uh, and experience and i really encourage you to reach out to pete and look at his programs and so forth after uh this conversation i just want to make special mention to our primary partners so green nutritionals who provide green organic superfoods um if you're lacking something in your diet please check out their website greennutritionals.com.au pure life bakery who provide uh, organic sprouted breads so when in the sorry when the grains in our breads are sprouted uh, the digestion process in our body works better and basically that helps our mind work better because our gut's not in distress and when our gut's not in distress the mind and the nervous system can be a bit more calm and relaxed so please check out their website purelifebakery.com.au if you're looking for fly and fly out work or you're looking for staff primarily please check out mac force australia really ethical uh, employment uh, recruitment provider um, that uh, primarily work in WA and Queensland but uh, can access people all around the country. Uh, really encourage you to check out their website, macforce, M-A-C-F-O-R-C-E.com.au. Alrighty, please enjoy this chat. Uh, please share it with others if you uh, feel they might find it helpful and uh, really appreciate your feedback. Peter Radcliffe, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. All right, thank you, Aaron. <laughs> no worries, mate. You're camping in uh, South Australia at the moment, you tell me, so uh, uh, a bit chilly down there, mate, but um, yeah, all, uh, all going well. You'll get to maybe watch the AFL Grand Final tonight if you're up for it. Yeah, well, they've got it on the, the pub sort of in the town nearby where we're camping, so um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, 
we we may head on. We're not big AFL fans. Uh, I, I just wanted to get the kids out of the house, you know, in the environment. I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, so every school holidays we try to, to to get out, you know, wherever we can. Yeah, that's the way. Oh, it's interesting. Uh, well, it'll be pretty rowdy at a country pub, I reckon. But you know, I think it was three years ago. Uh, I was in a well, I was in Borneo actually, and um, the only place that I could watch the AFL Grand Final there was a pub. And that was very rowdy. So um, I, uh, yeah, sort of got in, got out, watched Rich, Richmond win it, I think it was, and uh, and then uh, and then left. But uh, my team's actually playing tonight, the Western Bulldogs, and um, uh, I've got a couple of invitations to go and uh, uh, go and watch that, which will be alcohol free for me. So I'll be certainly, uh, I've got to teach a yoga class in the morning, so I certainly be taking yep. it easy from there. <laughs> That's for sure. Nice. So. Definitely a good a good vibe every now and then to, to join into one of those you know, one of those matches. So uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Uh, now we're going to obviously like um, talk a lot about um, your journey and so forth uh, and sort of what you're doing now. Some of the, the great work you're doing to help humanity. But Peter, I'd really like you to talk us through your your background. So you know where you were brought up and um, obviously you know uh, your teen years and, and leading into adult life. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, I'm about as middle class as you can get. Uh, my dad uh, was a landscape gardener. Uh, Mum just at home, originally a teacher. Um, you know, uh, we. My dad was very um, anti-establishment and anti-religion. Uh, so we were quite, quite, quite sort of atheist and sceptical, but. Uh, my mum was very much into yoga and Tai Chi, more for the health benefits than anything. Uh, but she was fairly open-minded. And I was just fascinated right from sort of a young age of these stories of these, uh, as all kids are, you know, the, the, the monks and the ninjas who meditate and have these super normal abilities. I was always a bit, I used to sort of, when I was young, believe in magic and practice magic with my with my family and I was a bit shattered when I when I found when they told me our oh, magic doesn't really exist <laughs> but you know I went on to find you know magic sort of does exist uh, in your mind if you if you look for it in the right places mm, unreal so so that was in Adelaide you, you were brought up in Adelaide yeah, just in the suburbs uh, south of Adelaide um, I went on I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite a a uh, analytical type of brain so I, I, I was I enjoyed uh, maths and physics and that and I went on to do engineering at university so I became a civil engineer um, and then look uh, at the time when I graduated there was a bit of a mini recession uh, in Australia it's the early 1990s and uh, there was a boom in Asia of construction and all my classmates were going over to Asia and so, yes, I ended up, went, went over to Singapore and uh, I was sort of travelling in different Asian countries then for about 10 years. Mm, unreal. And, and that led you to, to obviously, uh, Thailand where you sort of started to uh, follow Buddhism? Yeah, that's right. I, um, I actually was in charge of a gang of Thai workers on our work site in uh, Singapore and I just loved them I just loved their their attitude and stuff like that and in parallel uh, I was already starting to be very interested in the Eastern traditions mm. um, and 
you know, meditation in particular, or I wasn't, you know, a great meditator there. But, uh, yeah, I decided to go to Thailand because I just loved these Thai workers and just for something different because um, that seemed to be one of the most Asian of Asian countries, sort of that, that Thai culture. So I wanted to explore that. And I just really got into their... Their, their way of life, the way they looked at the world and therefore, necess- you know, automatically you start understanding their, you know, Buddhism and their traditions and that sort of thing. Yeah, certainly like coming from Western society in Australia, look, you your, your own journey was probably you know, very unique back then uh, to be able to be interested in, in higher ways of being and, and higher levels of consciousness and, and connection and so forth and... It's interesting, obviously, your mum probably played a, played a fair part in you being drawn to that, but uh, it'd be interesting to hear, you know, what you, what you sort of uh, learned through that period. Obviously, you know, you, you, you went to the monasteries in, um, in Thailand and, and how, how challenging that might have been for you, but also, um, you know, the, the moments that sort of led you up, led up to you being ordained as a monk and, uh, and sort of what followed from there. Yeah, well, I, you know, as I said, I was very interested in that area. And it's a, a bit of a funny story, actually. My brother and I decided to take a bit of a trip around Thailand on motorbikes, uh, but, but just before I sort of started working in Bangkok. And uh, we, we were driving around the countryside of Bangkok. Now, both my brother and I are over six foot. He, at the time, had hair sort of down past his shoulders and we were wearing this body armor and this really rough sort of uh these clothes on motocross bikes and so we would have looked like huge giants and we were covered in mud this one day and uh yeah we would have just looked like these i would have you know just trolls almost riding through the countryside and we stopped at this waterfall and lo and behold, this monk, who was about half our size, uh, with no fear whatsoever, just came up and started chatting to us. Mm. And then lo and behold, he actually, was, he spoke reasonable English, and he invited us back to his monastery. And Rob and I were shocked. And at this stage, you know, we had an idea that, you know, mo- you know monks were kind of up in the mountains in caves and you never saw them sort of thing, but he just invited us back to his monastery. And uh, so we went back there and, uh, you know, this, these two giants all dressed in, in motocross body armour walking into the monastery. It was quite funny. And, but, of course, we were then uh, the interest of the place. And we ended up staying there for about three days. And I just fell in love with... Uh, you know that experience and that culture and later on when I was working in Bangkok he ended up going to university in Bangkok as well and he became a lifelong friend so his name was Chatri Hamapanda and I'm still friends with him although he's over in Russia at the moment uh, running a monastery over there Mm. and so that was a pivotal time and he was the one who invited me Uh, After I'd been in Bangkok for about a year, often visiting him on the weekends, sort of in the outskirts of Bangkok, because Bangkok's a huge city, um, he invited me to go back to this same monastery and ordain as a monk. And by that time, I'd been uh, practicing meditation quite regularly. I had learned Thai. I was speaking Thai by that stage. 
And so I just thought it was a wonderful opportunity. Um, and so I did that and I stayed in that monastery for some time. Uh, however, my Thai, even though I could speak just general Thai, it wasn't good enough to penetrate the understanding that, you know, they, they had in terms of the, the Buddhist and I, I was curious about that. So I, I heard about an American monk who was living in a monastery nearby and I asked to be transferred over to, to that monastery where he gave teachings in English. And then I stayed there for, uh, yeah, three or four months uh, and then so I was like a month in one monastery and altogether about four or five months uh, I ordained and mm. yeah that was uh, obviously a, a hugely important experience in my life and I, I learned a lot uh, and the way and, and, and you know I enjoyed myself so much and to think that at the time all I had was a couple of robes, a begging bowl <laughs> uh, and surviving on rice and yet that's one of the highlights of my life yeah. is, simple. you know, that, that simple life. And so that has a profound effect, really, on, on the rest of your life. Mm, amazing. A lot, of, uh, a lot of things were present for me then. Um, when I, I did uh, some time um, uh, Chatong Chentong in, in Hobart and uh, just how, how confronting and challenging it was to, to actually, like, um, uh, really dive into my own belief systems and and uh, and, and look at these other ways of, of, of understanding humanity and life and the mind and all those sorts of things and the simplicity but you're right once you surrender and let go then 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 those sorts of things are really beautiful uh, to be able to like just get back back to the basics that so you don't need all this food and you don't need all these uh, luxuries that you've, you you're used to um, but once you get back to the simple, rhythm of life and, and the essence of humanity, how, how actually easy it is. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, so that was my journey. Uh, look, I, I admit that uh, at the end I, I felt I wasn't progressing. I just felt like I needed to keep moving. Uh, so I did actually eventually disrobe uh, and I kind of went back more into... Uh, Western culture. Um, I left Asia. I, I spent time in South America. Then I went to work in the US, and then I came back to Australia. Uh, worked in the UK for a little uh, uh, a time, and in that time, my my pro my progress kind of, you know, went through ups and downs, etc. But when I got back to Australia, I was determined to get back into it. And here in Adelaide, I looked around initially for a Thai monastery. Uh, but there really isn't much here in terms of the Thai tradition. And that's when I came across the Tibetan uh, tradition. So uh, from that point on, when I was back in Australia, I, I um, you know, started practising. I found a great teacher in Canberra called Lama Chodak Rinpoche. Mm. And um, I started sort of, uh, you know, following that tradition. You know, not that there's much difference. There's only sort of surface differences, the main uh, Buddhist ideas are still uh, the same. Mm. Amazing. Let's sort of take a step back, like, like through that process. Is there anything that uh, that happened over that period which really stayed with you, like some of the teachings that you actually learnt, um, you know, back back in, in those infancy years of yourself, like, you know, becoming an adult and uh, into your 20s and 30s? 
what are some of the foundations that you remember which which were really pivotal that um, that actually like gave you grounding and, and sort of thought uh, made you think well yeah this is something for me well you know what comes to mind actually is a little interesting story and i hope uh and uh, i'm going to sort of uh, tell you a little bit about a, a priest that came to our school and look i fully respect the christian tradition and i'm i'm really uh think that there's a lot of value uh in that of uh but this particular priest was was quite uh full-on and I, at the time when I was young, raised my question and I asked a question about God. And uh, it was something like, you know, why is there so much suffering in the world? Mm. And this particular priest said, oh, we don't ask questions like that. You just have to follow the word of God and not question it. <laughs> and that was like, no way. <laughs> yeah. Like that yeah. really, is, that sealed the deal for me that, that wasn't something that I was really interested in. Yeah. Now, later in life, um, I was listening to a teacher. I asked the question and I got the answer. And then the teacher turned and told me, you know, but Buddha said, you know, don't trust this teaching just because of any sort of respect out of me or anything like that. You've got to treat it like a piece of gold which you're not sure is gold you've got to bite it and burn it and check it and probe it and really make sure that it is proper gold before you you know agree with this teaching so to speak and that did two things for me it it really uh first of all i, I felt really like yes I, i'm so glad that the teachers sort of said don't trust me trust your own experience and it also led me to the feeling that if we want to uh, find calmness, it's our responsibility. Like we have to find it in our own mind. We have to do our own practice. No one is going to give it to us. Mm. Um, so I'm sort of a little bit, uh, I, 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 look, I, you know, there is a certain power in the power of prayer and, and, and asking for, you know, divine intervention and things like that. But I think the real power comes from when you take on that responsibility yourself. And so that's what I felt uh, was a big learning for me. And so, yeah, it's this, you know, those teachings uh, and all the spiritual teachings do it. They show you the way, but you've got to actually put in the, you know, you've got to do the way of life. You've got to do the cushion time sitting and, and, and contemplating um you know and, and and it does give results and that and my my life shows me that that gives results if you're willing to put in the effort mm, yeah absolutely that that's true pete but we all have this innate knowing within us and this uh this connection um to the spirit and the soul and uh to be able to tap into that sense of peace every day is um is available to us we just got to learn the mm. tools to to access that now i mm. i really believe that the guys you know we, we wake up and our mind is at speed usually it's, uh, it's it's quite agitated so to be able to sort of correct that be a bit more coherent with the heart space and sort of learn to settle the nervous system down i think can have a tremendous effect on the way that you go about your day yes 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 and there are techniques so I really fell in love with that sort of mode of thinking from my time in the monastery. Um, and my meditation practice progressed quite a way, but it didn't progress 
to the extent that I wanted to. Now, eventually I found this teacher in um, Canberra and the way he taught meditation was very engineering-like. And again, I'm a person who I want to see the logic connection. I want to see, yeah, if you sit and you contemplate in this way, like why does it make the mind calm? Why does it make you happy? I need to know those A leads to B leads to C type of thing. That's just the way my mind works. Mm. And, you know, he in particular taught in a way which was very sensible, logical and made sense. And, uh, you know, I won't go into it, but, you know, he gave me some really concrete, robust techniques that uh, I then went on and I did another long retreat for this time, 10 months with him, just a solitary retreat or under his patronage type of thing uh, and employed these techniques. And then I was able to go past, I would say, beginner levels of meditation into, you know, reasonably advanced levels of concentration um, which was another big eye-opening event when you have a deep meditative experience it again changes the whole way you see the world Mm -hmm. so um, that happened when i was about 31 so you know eight years after i originally ordained Mm, interesting that you're able to be, be courageous enough to take a break away from modern life to go and do that yeah, I was I was on a salary of about one hundred and ten thousand a year, which I just sort of got on, and then I decided to take a year's break. So it was uh, it was courageous. Uh, I'd actually met my uh, fiance at the time, and uh, I'd been putting this off for a few years, and I realised uh, I had decided I would get married and and probably have kids, which obviously I now have, and I knew if I didn't take a year off to do a retreat. It would be, you know, 20 years before I had another chance. Yeah. So I just, I decided, look, I've got to do this. It's something I've always wanted to do. So I just said, don't bugger the cost. I'm just going to do it. And, of course, you know, money is nothing when you have, you know, great experiences like that. And you would have done that in Canberra, is that right? Yeah, correct. Just out of Canberra in Queanbeyan, but up in the mountains near Canberra, yeah. And, and I'm having flashbacks of sitting in a freezing cold um, room in Hobart with these guys. Uh, you would have yeah. been sitting in a freezing cold room in Queanbeyan with uh, with those as well, I'd imagine. So, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Not, yeah, that's right, yeah. Not easy, mate, but um, how challenging was that for you? Was that really uh, um, uh, an eye-opener or were you really determined to... Um, uh, to, to really make the most of your time there and pick up as much knowledge, knowledge as you could? Yeah, I went in there knowing that I would face challenges and indeed there were times when I'm like, my meditation wasn't going well and I'm like, what am I doing here? You yes. know, I could be earning a salary, I could be doing this, but I always knew that was part of the journey. So I had an iron-clad determination to stick it right to the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, interestingly enough, I, I did have pushback from my family and as a compromise, I did agree to go home for Christmas. So I did actually go home for a week in the middle of it. It, it was all pre-arranged uh, and everything like that. Um, so I did have a small break in the middle there. I wasn't planning to, but uh, just to satisfy the family, I, I did that. Okay. Um, yeah, but I had this ironclad determination. 
and uh, there were there were lots of downs but also as i said i i there were some really really good ups as well um where i felt like my meditation had progressed really well and mm. um so that was really satisfying i get it uh, certainly uh, when those when those uh, uh i suppose when 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 things boil and you get those questions you know, why am i doing this what am i doing here you know all these all these excuses of the mind once you can actually like learn to just surrender and just just get rid of that that's when all the development and the growth um, starts to happen and um, I really understand what you're talking about there because um, we face challenges in, in in all aspects of life consistently uh, and really they they're the opportunities that we um, we have for growth you know uh, to be able to sort of move through them and um, I think uh, a lot of our, our, our learning and upbringing um, sort of um, uh, makes us take the easy path sometimes, but if you can challenge yourself and step through um, um, those doors when they're open, um, then that's when everything starts to change. Yeah, you're spot on there, Aaron. Um, I've just done a blog called Post Traumatic Growth. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, people. You know, in my experience, people take the biggest steps forward in their own personal growth coming out of tragedy. Mm. No one whose life is going along hunky-dory really makes any huge strides in, in their own personal growth. It's often when we face challenges that, you know, I guess they say if it doesn't, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger or something like that. Mm. But it really is those challenges that... Um, uh, help us grow. So, so that itself is an, a real eye-opener so that when you face challenges, you can actually face them with this idea, oh, maybe there is an, a, a, a hidden opportunity here somewhere in this, in this um, you know, difficulty in life. Mm, that's true. Yeah, exactly. It, well, I think, I think Pete, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I always talk about this on the podcast. You're like, life, life is meant to, I think, was created for us to flow really at uh, one with it as much as possible you know we, we sort of get in the road with that with the mind and complicate things and have all the all the the judgments and things that go along with uh, with being human but once we get out of that and get out get out of our road and start to to to, to tune in and surrender as i mentioned then things start to <laughs> seem to work as they're meant to it's 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 a tough thing to do yeah yeah no absolutely What's your meditation practice like on a daily basis now? <coughs> um, <coughs> so my kids are... <coughs> sorry, excuse yeah. me here, I'm frogging <laughs> through. Uh, so my kids are like 9, 11 and 13. So for many years now, it's very been kind of back to basics, but um, they're getting to the age now where they're getting some independence. So um, I'm really looking for a second wind to sort of get back to where I was sort of uh, 10 or well, 15 years ago, I would say. Mm. Um, so I'm starting to do more, um, you know, I'm doing at least 45 minutes in the morning and I try to do <clears throat> something like 15 or 30 minutes in the evenings. Mm. And um, my aim will be to do one day a week where I don't work and I just do either study or meditation. Mm. Um, so that's sort of a right in transition as I'm uh, now, you know, organising that day. Mm. Um, and then <clears throat> because my <clears throat> because my job is teaching meditation, I um, 
well, part of it, I do um, also personal development training. Um, I do get to go away on retreat, which has all stopped due to coronavirus, but yeah. it's just started up again and we've run about three retreats this year and they've all been completely sold out, which is great. Yeah. Um, and so obviously I get to go away. I am teaching, but it's still a chance to obviously go and uh, have a bit of personal practice as well when I'm you know, practicing with groups. Mm. So, yeah, so I always feel like a little, you know, and I recommend this to people, you know, a meditation every day and then if you can, a sort of slightly longer time, maybe a couple of hours, I'm going to try for, you know, a majority of a day, but, you know, per week and then once every six months or so go away for a weekend and, and do some of your own reflection. I think that's really ideal, that sort of mix of, um practice times mm. yeah it's very it's interesting like when you're giving all the time um and you know you're teaching and you're running things like you've got to still have, make time for yourself to manage your own nervous system and um yeah i i think having the bookends at, at either side of the day some people might be able to get 40 45 minutes in but i try to get half an hour in the morning and um uh and then that night you know 15 20 minutes maybe and um to be able to just to, to, to use a practice which which works for you as an individual, like um, I think there's so many different techniques and so forth now, or there always has been primarily, but be able to use a, a technique that works with you and maybe for an individual to work with um, with someone like yourself that can actually help them discover that technique, I think is really important. Yeah, exactly. And um, by, by no means, you know, I've, I've chosen uh, meditation, but um, there, as you said, there are so many beautiful techniques from all around the world, you know, uh, American Indian techniques and Hawaiian Huna tradition techniques and, you know, Sikh, you know, so, um, yeah, if you find one that works for you that you're passionate about and then, um, and I think you have to, like, you have to be very grateful to be able to do that time. Like I said, when, when you've got in the middle of kids, I know what it's like. And, I, you know, there were years there where I was lucky to get 15 or 20 minutes in the morning and that was it. And, you know, sleep deprived as a parent and all of that. And then you've just got to take that as, as a learning in itself that sometimes life doesn't work out that way. But um, when you do have the opportunity to be able to take that little bit of extra time for your own peace of mind is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just think, yeah, you know, to, to give the mind a rest, like if, if you think of it that way, um, just to be able to like slow down, I always say come back through the gears. Um, and, and for me, I, I've got to use a technique which, which helps slow the mind down. And once I get to that stage and I start to connect with the heart and then I start to have feelings in the heart of, you know, compassion, gratitude, kindness, uh, all these levels of consciousness, like care, um, that, that, that are really heart-based, you know, and try and tap into that and then take that into my day. That, that's something that sort of seems to work for me pretty well. Yeah. Well, we know this in our own minds, don't we? But what's good nowadays is, look, I'm still a scientific kind of person at heart, and it's really encouraging to see all of these medical studies now that show that those types of practices good for your physical health, good for your emotional health, they keep you sane, good for your mental health. So, you know, you should almost see it as, as a type of medicine to, to, you know, to help keep you, you healthy on all of these mm. levels. Like brushing your teeth, same thing, Pete. Like, you know, you, you've got to keep your mind 
mind reasonably tranquil and came, uh, you know, clean and calm. And uh, when all the distractions and temptations of life and agitations and that pop up, if you can find yourself being in that grounded space, uh, I think you, you can avoid uh, uh, most of them and being sort of, you know, entangled in them as much as, as much as possible, I guess, yeah. That's right. And so, and being with like-minded people is really a great help. So I guess that's where I've been for the last, you know, 10 years is what can I do for groups of, you know, Australians uh, and, and not just people in the cities? Like how can we help people in rural communities and, in, in, you know, start small groups where they can be encouraged to do uh, whatever practice it is, you know, meditation or whatever practice it is, uh, and connect with other like-minded people uh, to, you know, have that healing time, you know, once a week or or whatever they can. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. It certainly uh, it makes a difference if you can uh, have a what's called sangat, as as you know, like a, you know a common common bonded group. Um, <laughs> That's why I like doing the men's circles that I do because if we just come together, there's no alcohol or, or food or distractions. It's, it's, it's genuine, open-hearted conversation about life. And um, if you can come together as a group and, and learn a meditation technique with someone that's had the training to be able to facilitate that, um, I think that can be really helpful. And then you, you take that home with you into your week and then you've, you've got a you know, support mechanism behind that which can really help you. Yeah, no, I totally commend you in setting up those circles. I think it's an awesome thing that you're doing. Yeah, but Pete, you know, it's the same with you with, with, with what you're doing because uh, in, in regional towns, like meditation is probably not, not, not common. Uh, you know, it's easy to get an app and, and those sorts of things and, and get those sorts of supports. But to have that group, I think, is really, um, really, really important. And so from what I'm understanding is, you, you'll train someone in a regional town or a community to be able to facilitate, um, um, I suppose, um, uh, classes and so forth uh, in their own regions. Is that right? Yeah, so that that's my passion at the moment. So, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if I said earlier, but I've been running retreats now, usually weekend retreats, sometimes slightly longer, um, for about, 10 years so i i quit my engineering about 10 years ago i I, I worked for about 20 years as an engineer and i decided okay uh, i really want to now devote my my life to what i really love uh and so i started running retreats and the question i always get at the end of retreat is look this retreat i'm just so passionate and so motivated i really want to meditate you know, what can I do to keep up my meditation practice? And I live about an hour south of Adelaide. So I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I just, it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's not worth my, I just can't travel an hour to Adelaide, run a group and then travel back home again. It's just a bit too far. So yeah. uh, I sort of said, but, you know, it's not hard to run your own group. Like just set up a circle, you know, go to someone's house in their land room or hire a little community a hall, you know, from the council, and just start a weekly group. So, I I set up a um, uh, some instructions on on. I just sort of put a list of teaching on how I did it, and you know what to charge and where to get insurance and what to teach. And uh, by this time, I'd gathered 
lots of meditations from all around the world from running my own groups and my own retreats. And so I just put them all up online and it was quite successful. And I realized that there is quite a demand for, um, you know, people running their own little meditation circles. Yes. Uh, and a lot of people will combine it. You know, some people are Reiki healers and other people are massage therapists and other people do rebirthing and, uh, and, 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 and men's circles would be great too. And, and they're so, so they'll do some meditation and then they'll combine it with something that they themselves do in another modality. So, yeah, so then I decided, look, let's put it all online. So a couple of years ago, I actually went and recorded both, you know, everything I know about how to meditate from a very kind of uh, sec secular way, so not, not following any necessarily any tradition, although obviously my, most of my learning came from the Buddhist tradition, so there is a bit of that in there, but I've tried to make it as secular as possible. So. And then, you know, give everyone all the support, so all the lesson plans, all the meditations all the advertising material what to post on facebook you know posters you can stick up around your town where to get insurance how much so yeah i've um put that up and i have got quite a lot of interest from rural communities across australia so we've mm. we've now got about uh 200 people in australia in different towns and cities across australia another uh 200 most in the UK and a few in the US now because it's starting to take off over there, running these meditation groups. So that's really exciting and we, we get together. And, uh, you know, even, you know, half an hour or one hour a week is still a very positive influence in people's lives, mm. um, just practising that, let alone getting together with like-minded people and encouraging each other to, you know, stay healthy and talk through, you know, difficulties going you know, finding people's lives, etc. Mm, interesting, mate. Um, so, so people could become a meditation teacher by by learning your, um, uh, I suppose, learning your training and so forth. Yeah. So we we keep it very simple. Uh, so it's all online training, video training, uh, and then if you've got any questions, uh, I'm online every Tuesday to answer questions, etc. Um, and so, yeah, they get certified, internationally certified. We've got recognition from people here in Australia and in the UK. Uh, so you get a, a leader certificate. And you also, what's really good about it is you connect in with other people doing this in other towns all over Australia. So you've got that sort of support as well. Really? You know, and, and one thing I think is important is I don't, call people teachers because I think that can be quite daunting for people. They're like, how could I ever be a teacher? But yeah. I encourage people just to see themselves as facilitators. You're yeah. just the person who's organising the, the hall where people are going to sit, you know, bringing along the tea and coffee and, and um, you know, and reading out the meditation. And it's a great way to um, uh, sort of start a circle without the pressure of thinking that you have to be a, an amazing teacher or whatever. That, that's true, absolutely. Uh, um, that, that's it. You, you're creating a space for individuals to uh, to connect, uh, not only with themselves, but to connect with others. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's it, that that is the higher level of humanity, isn't it? To be able to provide service and uh, 
provide um, you know tools, skills, knowledge, solutions to help other people be be able to to, to connect with their hearts and themselves again. Because we we seem to really get disconnected in modern life and. You know, trying to pull it all together and, um, and and come back to the real self, I always say, you know, get back to that sense of who you really are, I think is available to all of us, you know, given all the traumas and things that have gone on in our lives. <clears throat> if we can learn techniques to, to manage the nervous system and, and settle down, I think it's um, it's a really fundamental way to, to, to help humanity, but also to be able to make the most of our lives in while we've got time in these bodies uh, and this experience that we're in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all looking for this kind of sugar hit, whether it's, you know, experiences or alcohol or whatever it is, but it never is, you know, it's never long lasting and it's giving that service to others and knowing that you've been of genuine help to your fellow friends and colleagues in in your town that really brings the the long lasting sense of, you know, uh, happiness that you've, you know you've made a worthwhile contribution so um it's good to be a part of that well it's interesting yeah sugar hit you say the booze and all that sort of stuff it's it's false energy isn't it it gives you quick energy which you think is great but it doesn't last so that's right we have all of these media corporations telling us you know this is what you need to be happy buy this and you'll be happy yes and they've been doing it since time eternal and i guess it's never going to change but you know it's just you know for those of us who have lived life long enough we realize it's just not true yes that's it it takes a takes a bit of work to actually come to that realization but uh, i guess uh the sooner that you and i can help people uh you know understand and come to that um, the the better the better off humanity, you know, will will be possibly because um, uh, yeah, everything's impermanent as you know, Pete, and uh, to be able to come back to that sense of peace and who you really are and enjoy the connection that you have with uh, with the the life that we're in, I think, is uh, so much more profound than temporary um, temporary forms of happiness at the end of the day. So, um, so how can people get hold of you, Pete, and learn a bit about what um, what you're doing, but also if they want to be able to maybe become a facilitator in their own uh, own regions? Yeah, well, um, I love chatting to like-minded people. So if any of the listeners are interested in just uh, leading a meditation circle or even if they just want help in their own practice, um, I'm, I'm more than ha- happy to connect. As I say, we have these Tuesday morning sessions. So my company is called Skillful Mind. So I feel it's, it's more than just being a meditator. You've got to you, you've got to learn how to use skill in your life. So S K I double F U L M I N D. So uh, skillfulmind.net um, is the website, or we also have skillfulmind.com.au for our retreats as well. So either of those websites, you can find me, and uh, you can find links through to um, our. Um, you know, Tuesday morning catch-ups um, to, to, to come online. Uh, we've got Facebook under just my name, Peter Radcliffe, so that's easy to find as well. So, yeah, um, um, yeah, be, I'd, be, I'd love to connect in with anyone from, from rural Australia, wherever they are, and, and see, you know, what's happening in their communities. Mm, that's tremendous, mate. I think first and foremost you need to be proud of yourself to be able to... Uh, to really explore this at such a young age and do what you've done and, and to be courageous enough to step away from 
you know, the, the, the big dollars of, of corporate life and all those sorts of things. But I just think what you're doing here is going to have such a profound effect on, on changing or helping people change their own lives, but also change other lives in their in the particular uh, regions, and that has a, a, a tremendous effect on mental health and uh, sort of works against, um, you know, some of the issues that we've got in modern society like suicide and those sorts of things which are challenging. You know, if people have got more consciousness and, uh, and self-awareness, then, then these, uh, these episodes uh, aren't as relevant and are as common as what they are. Yeah. Uh, I've never looked back. You know, look, I enjoyed my time as an engineer, but you know, since I made that change, I've I've never looked back, and and um, it's such a satisfying um, lead to life. You know, life to lead. Sorry, <laughs> to uh, you know, to be associated with people on the path like yourself that are you know true service to humanity. So. Yeah, that's so great. true, mate, and that, that's, that's that's a key word, satisfying, because a lot of us are leading lives that aren't quite satisfied. There's something missing, you know. There's there's always something missing, but I just think if you can do things that connect you with yourself and connect you with others and and, and be of service, I think that can that can really help that that feeling of satisfaction satisfaction <laughs> uh, that um which which basically everyone really really um you know needs deep down to provide them with the sense of nourishment and support to to live uh, life you know more more functionally and uh and content at the end of the day so mate i'm really uh really grateful for the chat i'm really hoping that people will uh reach out to you um and uh, over time you know what you're doing will start to become more and more uh, relevant and successful and, uh, and, and thrive out there and start to, you know, bring people into, into uh, skills and practices that can really help uh, support them um, through their journey. So I appreciate it, mate. Thank you. No worries. Grateful to you as well to, to you know, sp- spread the word and um, uh, good luck. And, yeah, hopefully I think, you know, meditation and, and men's circles and things like that could be a good combination. So maybe there's... there's <laughs> You know, ways, you know, ways forward that as well. More to talk about. Cheers, mate. Guys, thank you very much for listening in. Um, really, look, Peter's, geez, 50 years of wisdom here with regards to um, what he's learned over this, um, over his journey. If you're interested in, in meditation, I really encourage you to um, maybe chase uh, chase him up um, with regards to what he's, uh, what he's doing. If you're interested in maybe running a... Uh, a meditation program in your community um, reach out to him I think um, yeah he's got the uh, the frameworks and ability to be able to really really help you in the communities he's also formed is is, is um, really tremendous so reach out skillfulmind.com.au if you'd like to reach out to me support mind.com.au please share this uh, podcast with others lots of awesome guests still coming along over the next week so please sorry, tune in share and uh, try and get uh, some more listening in, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you.